Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that's been locked down more times than Liam Pickens' opponents. My name is Matthew Donald, and I have Nick Galea with me in the studio as I do every other week. And if you enjoyed listening to the Salty Bulldog, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, which you can find by typing in the Salty Bulldog into Apple and Spotify and wherever else you get your good podcasts from these days. You can also check out all of our social media pages, including Twitter at the Salty Bulldog, Facebook and YouTube, the Salty Bulldog, Instagram, the dot salty dot bulldog, or our website, www.thesaltybulldog.weeksite.com forward slash home. Nick. So I suppose, given the events of the, the past week in Melbourne, the, the appropriate question to ask you first is not a football-related question, but just a simpler case of how are you? Not too bad at all, actually. Um, I could, strangely enough, it's still keeping busy as, as we try to, and it's, it's, it's good. It's as it is, and you've got to just put a smile and go along with it. You know, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of others worse off, and you've just got to be grateful for what, what is. You know, even the ability simply to just... Um, you know, say even watching the footy on the Friday night was it felt a lot different watching it without no crowd than in comparison to last year. So I think it was just probably a bit more grateful in that sense too. Last year was more a version of relief. This year it was more appreciation of it, even being around there. So that's just a little knockout to um, uh, Damien Hardwick. So just be grateful that there's games going on at Marvel Stadium, for instance, yeah. and not focusing on worrying about, you know, moving two, two kilometres down the road. So, yeah. What about yourself, Matt? Yeah, no, all right. Uh, on leave at the moment from from work. Believe, believe it or not, this is not my full-time job. I actually do other things throughout the, the course of the day that I'm, I'm on leave at the moment. I was planning to to go away uh, this weekend with a, with a couple of uh, mates from school. So uh, we're, we're waiting and seeing and we're hoping. Um, but yeah, if this lockdown is extended beyond Thursday, then we'll have to, to put a line through that. Unfortunately, um, but I, th- I think I think you're right. Having the football, or well, not being able to go f- to the football, I think has made me appreciate how good it's been to go um, to. I think it's been eight of the nine games of eight of the nine, eight of the ten that I've been to this year. I haven't missed many. Um, I missed a couple. Um, what have I missed? Good Friday game. I've got who'll be playing around four. You weren't there for the Brisbane. No, match, I think that's the only one camp. I've. I think that was the only one I'd missed. Actually, I think I've been to all the others. I went to Collingwood, West Coast, North Melbourne, yeah, Gold Coast, Brisbane for me, Gold Coast, yeah, Giants, GWS, Richmond, Carlton, mm-hmm. St Kilda. No, ah, you went to the Carlton between. game. Yeah, I went to the Carlton game as well. Oh, no, there was Adelaide. We missed Port Adelaide. Adelaide. Oh, yeah. Adelaide. Understand? Oh, I missed so that one. You've got one more. You're plus one on me, actually. Plus so one. Carlton match. All right, yeah. I'm going to catch up somehow. <laughs> uh, what'd you make of the? The game on Friday it was such a shame because this was the biggest home and away crowd, the home and away game that the Bulldogs have played in for over twenty years. So I'd say this is the biggest. This is the biggest home and away clash that the Bulldogs have played in since the final game of the nineteen ninety eight season when we played North 
on the last day of the season to, to, to battle it out for the mind premiership, first v second. This was the biggest game since then. And it was such it was a shame. First versus second. Yep. And it was such a shame that we weren't able to be there, that the crowds weren't able to be there. And I don't want to, and I know, I, I know that people will want me to live up to the name of this particular podcast. Um, but I feel like the crowds did, or the lack of crowds had an impact. I think, but I think that extends just beyond the game that uh, that we play on a Friday night. I saw the uh, Collingwood Geelong game at the weekend. The raft of atmosphere didn't. Did you actually put yourself through watching that game? I, I had to. I had to. Um, oh, oh, I had okay, to. Right. Yeah, I, I had to. Anyhow. Well, that was a, that was a miserable game. Miserable game. And I have no idea why. The only thing I could put it down to was crowds, because. You know, it was in Melbourne. It wasn't raining. It wasn't really windy. The weather was fine. Like it was just a normal sort of Melbourne day. Nothing, nothing spectacular yeah. or, or ordinary. And it was mm. one, it just goal, like the life one goal. One goal. Wasn't it? What was that? The life was sucked out of it. You know, yeah. The lack of atmosphere for sure. It felt it's- like a. It felt like a training drill, and not not in the good sense of you know one team is just walking it and they're playing champagne football. It just felt like both teams were just sort of, well, because we've got to rather than because we want to. Mm. Oh, there's nothing better in football than I think, you know, seeing a a person from the crowd yelling at a footballer with a beer in his other hand and then spilling it whilst it's occurring. So I think it's a beautiful sight from what I've got to witness. We miss those. We do miss that quite a lot. Um, But yeah, back onto the Friday night. So yeah, so this one we we have to watch. Yeah, we posted Um, what the estimates were half a million dollar loss. Or in terms of not making profit, that is. So that's got a bite. Pretty yeah. bad. Um, I think it. I think it's. I think it's taken a chunk more of supporters on the scoreboard rather than in the in the accounting ledger. So mm, eight eleven fifty. Well there. Eight eleven fifty nine to thirteen nine eighty seven. So twenty eight point defeat. It's our biggest defeat of the year. By um, six points. Yep. By six points. It's our second. It's our second defeat. It's our largest defeat. It's our worst defeat. By Ad, six points. Admittedly, <laughs> this was Amazing. this this was. I mean, you talk about the numbers. This was a record equaling crowd. This was the equal lowest crowd that we've ever played in front of. We played in front of no crowds twice, haven't we? Or how many times? So, how many times have we played in front of no people? I think round one last year. I round think two you'll last find year. it was. I think there was four times last year. GWS and then North Sydney. Melbourne. And then we, no, North there was a crowd. Oh, sorry, there Sydney, was a crowd. Sydney, Sydney crowds over there. And then so four games. So this is the fifth game that we've played in front of no crowds. And all of them happen to be in at Marvel Stadium. So that's that's that really bites hard. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it does. The goal kickers, though. Uh, so Josh Bruce maintained his uh, chas- the chasm between he and Harry Mackay for the race for the common medal. And you'd have to think that there's 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 possibility here. Five goals away. He is. Actually, he's kicked the numbers on him. He kicked another three. English, how good was it to see back him back in the side with two goals, uh, both in the second quarter? Cody Wayman with the first, just add it to the reel. Aaron Norton with just the one goal, so he's relinquished that sh- that uh, that streak and that record he held alone for all of one match. Kale Daniel also got four, got himself a rare goal as well, which is good to see. It was a nice finish, wasn't it? Though it was a good finish, nice but finish. Ne- a never in doubt sort of finish. You just sort of knew, well, well, he's got the mm. boys running in. This mm. is a goal. It's rare to say that of a back flanker. You know, sometimes you get those sort of forwards. Like Tory Dixon was one. You sort of get the ball and, and, and you sort of think goal straight away. 
Daniel's one of the rare ones who, who does that off the off the back flank. I think mm. Gilby was a Gilby was another one of yeah, just know, Gil, it in the book. Gil, Gilby's yeah. name has, has come up a bit in the, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, but he was sort of one of those within 55 meters. If he's going for goal, you just you just smuck it down. You don't have to worry about watching the ball go through. It, it's going to go through. Speaking Jackson of marking it down though. Sorry, yeah. but speaking of marking it down, because I was just talking, uh, just alluding to Bruce before. So he's also at the moment, anyhow, uh, the most accurate player in the game with 40 or more shots. So he's registered 50 shots at goal. 33 of those have been obviously goals, nine behinds, and there's been eight missed scores. So his accuracy at this point in time um, is 66%, which is, again, the, the best record for those with 40 or more. Next best is Ben King, 63.6. Taylor Walker, 62.5. Uh, Harry Mackay then is slightly behind him. We've got Aaron Norton a bit of the way down there. 56 what? shots, 28 goals, 21 behinds, and seven missed shots. So would you say 56? So yeah, 50%. Okay. Bang on 50% for Norton. And as what did I say? 66 point something for... Yeah, he's um, about 66 Bang on 66 for Bruce. For, for Bruce. So, yeah. With the leading disposal getters. So, Jackson McRae continues his reign. Another 30-plus disposal game. So, he got 36 uh, tonight. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do the math. I don't tend to to do them do the math after a, a defeat. So I'll have to get that up, find out how many he's away. But he, he's closing in. He's probably only going. He's probably going to get there in a fortnight's time. Yeah, but that is the most ever disposals recorded up to round eleven of a VFL slash AFL season. He's he's amazing. Eighty seven, three hundred and eighty seven is nuts. Okay, so it was he got thirty six. So one hundred and twenty nine disposals. He is away and now. Any from more break- games, roughly. Oh, so the, no, this this so oh, it just doesn't matter. Oh, so this is for the top ten all-time leading possession getters. He gets 129 more. He's in. I'd have to find out what the, the numbers are for, um, mm. for for what it would be in terms of okay. uh, the so what's fastest your, all time. What's your overs and unders? Three, four, five games. What's your overs and unders? 129. McRae will do that in four games. Yep, very safe. Bontempelli, Bontempelli, and Dale with. 30 disposals each. I thought Bontepelli worked hard. I thought Dale was his 30 possessions. Probably wasn't one of his better games for the season, though. Hunter and Bailey Smith each with 27. No coaches' votes for the Bulldogs players this week. I don't even check the coaches' votes, actually. Who um, got them? Gorn and Oliver each got nine. Uh, fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, about that, though, too, because we can mention a bit about the Rucks. What do you think of Sweet? And English, English, of course, returning. He was very good. Didn't look like he missed a beat, to be honest. No, English was good. So it was fantastic. English, English was good. He was, yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've sung the praises of Sweet for the past mm. couple of weeks. And, and deservedly so. so. Yeah, absolutely. Deservedly so. Because mm. uh, he has been very good, especially for guts. only been playing a couple of games and having to go it alone as well uh, in mm. some de- against some decent teams in some big that's games. That's the main yeah. thing, too. Mm. English, though, I think we all sort of thought, well, I mean, it's not that Sweet doesn't need the help. Because he's done well on his own to this point, but English back in will be a major boost in the in the tools, and he was very good. It was like he hadn't missed a beat really, and I, and I think that's that's credit to the Bulldogs just being very patient and, and playing the long game, saying no, 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 we we don't want him out there when he's ninety percent right. We want him out there when he's hundred percent, and and that's the idea of a team that knows what's at stake too. Yeah. And he demonstrated that that he was hundred percent right because we didn't see a drop off. You know, when players come back from injury, 
sometimes it takes them a week or or two weeks to to you know sort of really get back into the groove mm-hmm. especially they've been out for a period of time again. This wasn't sometimes. This wasn't a, a physical injury in the way that we think, you know, of like like Dunkley's injury with his shoulder or Trelaw with his ankle. This is a different type of injury. It's not a physical one. It's more of a no, mental one. It's it's a bewildering injury to to admit that. I've never seen it too often, other than a certain preliminary final. But no. what we can mention with well, that is. Yeah, it's it's, it's concussions. Are the, right. Concussions, like they are physical because they have a, they have a physical impact on you as as, a, as an individual. But they're, mm. oh, it's it's not difficult. I mean, there's no there's no surgery. Mm. There's no yeah. oh, well, you know, we'll just take yeah. this up. We'll give you some injections. This is just this is just a time thing. No, and it's 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 it is a pure mental barrier to an extent. You know, physical, but the idea of trying to to go after contact too. You know, you mentioned there regarding shoulder injuries, for instance, with Dunkley. Now, he'll, he'll be fine when he comes back into it, you know. He but there's a, there's, to, a, to, there's a physical and a mental hurdle to get, hurdle to get over with that one. Yeah. Mm. But with this... English, it, it didn't look like he was protecting himself, per se. He really was ready to go, wasn't he? Yeah. No, he, he was. He was. He was fantastic. I've got his, I've got his numbers up here. Uh, so he took nine touches, marks. Nine marks. Uh, one contested, two inside 50, and, and obviously and got a couple two of goals, goals as well. Yeah. No, that's... that's a, well, that's... It's picking that up where he left off. 13? 13 it's goals 11. or was it 11 goals? 11. 11 goals, thank you. So that's one of four dogs to kick 10 plus this year. And But on that sweet, I think he sort of ran out of juice towards the back half of the game. Oh, I saw but that. That's, that a bit under, that's a bit understandable though where he's, oh, that moment was a dreadful, but it's oh. understandable when yeah, you speak in a physicality, Gorn is certainly one of the more physical rucks going around. And you know that constant body work, I don't know how many stoppages there actually might have been. I'll see if I can find that. But yeah, well, obviously that, the, though, it, it would have worn him down quite a fair bit. Yeah, well, the moment we're talking about was that one, I think it was in the third term where he's lumbering after the ball and he's it's gone under him and he, he just can't bend down any further and he's fallen over and, and Gorn's there waiting and, and ready and he just loops it over to, to McDonald who kicked the goal. And I, I and I think you might be right. There's a bit of there's a bit of tightness there, but sweet. I mean, he has in the last three weeks rucked alone. And this is a guy who's only playing his, or this is only his fifth game at the weekend. And now he's coming up against probably the best ruckman in the competition. Certainly, certainly the second best, at least. He took 45 ruck contests. English, um, even though he sort of got a bit puffed out, but English still took 28. And there's an impressive thing to see with the hit out. So 17 for Sweets out of the 45 contests, five of those to advantage. English uh, nine hit outs of the 28 contests with three of those to advantage. And the, the funny thing is, I may mention this in my five things, but so does it surprise you to see that in comparison that we came up against a very, very, very good, you know, top tier Taff Ruckman? You know, he's, Gorn's not the best one. I think it's still in that million, that, but Gorn, you know, is either second or third minimum. And we only just lost the hit outs to advantage count eight to 11. What do you make of that? I think they did a pretty good job of nullifying Gorn in the Ruck. But not um, around the ground. I think no, well, ground. what was it? So so did you say English fifteen disposals, was it? It was fifteen touches for English. Fifteen touches for English. Had the sweet three. the three. Yeah. Uh, Gorn had twenty one on his own or something like that, I'm pretty sure. Yep. I don't know how many hit outs he had, but he did take four contested marks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get yeah. up. He had twenty seven hit outs. So he's he's had more hit outs than the two bulldogs combined. He's had more disposals than the two goal uh, the two bulldogs combined. Uh, he's had as many 11 hit outs as well i think yes he's uh gorn's had as many tackles as the bulldogs combined 
Oh, sorry, the yeah. two bulldogs yeah, two combined. Boys. Yeah, so yeah, English and boys. sweet. Uh, okay. And I think he's had more clearances than them as well combined. So in terms of the hitouts, well, there, there you have it, 27 to 26. It's you know, pretty close. It's close as you're going to get, really, without it being even. Very close run thing. It's a two-way um, horse. Yeah. <laughs> Just an old joke there. Just, oh, we just, like just, 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 just on a sidetrack because I was thinking about that the other day. Who were, who the were the, horse. who were the two horses? Because the I question, really, the I don't que- really remember anymore. The, the question was, the question was, um, so this is this years, years old, ago. Man. So I was asking Nick, who do you think? And this is end, end of the 2018 season. Who was the club's best first year player? And what oh, he no. meant to say was a two horse race. That there were only two two, two players I, who I were stand, up I stand by what I said, and it is. I a just want to know who, who the two names were out of likely Gowers, Norton, or Richards. I don't even remember. Oh, <laughs> I guess no. it's not important, but it just occurred no, to me that the three oh, of them had pretty thing. decent first seasons. They did, they did. But and as the well, curse of the as leading well, goal kicker struck. Now that, now that I think about it, it could have also been best uh, uh, or best first season at a club. So. Uh, Trengo. I think that's probably more, Jackie, that's potentially more likely. Crozier could have been Crozier. involved as well. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to bring that up because I thought about it the other day. So I think around the ground, Gorn was superior player. Those numbers demonstrate that he was, he had them covered combined in terms of the two Bulldogs Ruckman, but in the hitouts, which is long where we've struggled and mm. first advantage. We were, we were quite good. And I think the clearances overall 36 to 27 in favor of the, the Bulldogs as well. So McCray had six, Bontepelli mm. had five, Liberatore and Lipinski uh, had four, Bailey Smith had five as well. Which it didn't even look, didn't it, though? It never looked that, that surprisingly. When we were watching the game, it seemed like we were getting hammered in the clearance department, but the stats prove otherwise. I don't know what the. I don't know what the, the stat is for that one, but well, for this, but it felt like. And I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy that says, "Oh, Melbourne were lucky the whole game," because I thought they worked exceptionally hard. And, and when you work hard, you know, you know, things things do fall your way. But it felt like we're, if ever there was a baller in dispute, they could bounce off a pack mm. of marking contest, or someone's just being tackled and they just hand passed it just to get rid of the ball. It's always landed at the, into the lap of mm. a Melbourne player. It didn't well, feel like the, the luck. The luck factor. It is a. It's a weird thing to to use, but it is true. You know, I've even seen it being used on a, on a very favourite uh, site of ours, Matt, or at least really? mine, and I'm sure you enjoy this term, the word, the squiggle, the Max Berry squiggle. That's a great place to have okay. a look for, um, <laughs> for ladder predictors and stuff too. But yeah, they've got the luck oh, yeah, 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 as well yeah. in determining those things. And surprisingly, we did not actually take a huge hit on that. And neither did Melbourne get a big gain for the now results. That's, that's, in, that's interesting. The, and he's very good at this very school. Yeah. Please, people, have a look at this as well. It is but, amazing to have a bit of fun on. That statistically, it isn't that. Yet, watching the game, it, it felt a lot like... Actually, It actually felt a lot like the final last year. And I think I said this to you during the, the match itself on Friday night. Because I remember we that... texting a fair bit. Yeah, I remember that final against St Kilda. We let a lot of tackles throughout the whole game. But it felt like we weren't able to get the hole in the balls. And this is not a debate about umpires, but this is a debate, or it's not really a debate, but it's just an observation that they would get rid of the ball and it would just fall to one of their teammates and they'd be in space. And it just happened every time. And it's so frustrating when you're laying tackles and, and the ball is just mm. sort of- The ball rolls out to the, to the direction. Wrong spot. It's just, yeah. yeah. 
it's not a debate about whether the umpire should pay a free kick sooner as well. I just want to stress that because that's been in the news a bit of late. This is just more about, you know, when you need a break, when you just need it to, to fall to you. Because mm. yeah. if, you, if, if you had the first against the last and every 50-50 went to the side that was last on the lineup, they'd probably win the match. It'd be, it'd be, it would be statistically impossible mm. for it to happen every single time. But theoretically, it can it's happen. Like, and it's I reckon like a if it did, coin toss to an extent, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, there's still a 50-50 chance, but it just always happens to fall one particular way. Yeah, um, and it felt about that though. It was it was yeah. different that night. But yeah, you and I both shared a bit of frustrations on that and uh, by text and stuff. But yeah, what about what about the Pinsky? Because we had similar thoughts, and at the same time, I'm sure we had some some different ones too. But oh. I, I thought he got <laughs> I thought he went better as the game progressed. There were definitely some moments where I was tearing my hair out from him, whether it was his tackling or and I've got a lot of hair on my head, so be fair. So and as well as a beard. But oh Jesus, there was some real frustrating. Every, moments, every, the, the every time or, every oh. time Lipinski does something that makes some sort of mistake, I can hear you Stands wherever out. you are around the world, I can hear you shouting at the top of your lungs, ah Lipinski. Yeah, oh, no, we like him. Don't get don't get us wrong, we like him very much. Okay? I, I, like, I love I love late like 2019 Lipinski. Yeah, that was that was a thing of beauty. Nineteen Lipinski, and uh, and what did what did say Lipinski was he'd been he played he'd been dropped f- in the first month of the season he'd been dropped four times and played every game. Yeah, it's a, I'm sure that counts as a match. Was he, he played it's, zero matches, but he got registered. He, games he'd been dropped four times and work. he, he played every match and been dropped four times. I don't even know how to, <laughs> I know how it works, but I don't want to know at the same time. It's ridiculous how the AFL makes it roll. Oh, no. So the Pinsky's numbers here, I mean, they, they look pretty good when all is said and done. 23 disposals, four tackles, four clearances. I say Lipinski is the sort of player that the, the difference between him and somebody like a Bontempelli is that Bontempelli could, you know, we've seen Bontempelli get brown leverts and he hasn't even, um, maximum brown leverts, he hasn't even had 20 disposals. He's the sort of guy that he will do something every single time he gets the football and he will make a big, big difference when he does get the ball. Lipinski needs a lot of the ball to make that difference. So he's in terms of midfield styles, he's a bit more like McRae. If McRae yeah, had an 20, accumulator per se, if, though. If, but, but he, he maybe not, but he needs a lot of the ball to have an impact. So if McRae, the op- I'm, if McRae, I'm the opposite of that though. So if McRae had 20 disposals mm. and next week he had 30 disposals, Certainly, you're going to say, well, he had a bigger impact in the game. He had 30. Mm. Whereas if Bontepelli had 30 and then the next week he had 20, you would actually need to watch the game just to be sure. And it sounds a bit weird because to, to any sort of casual observer, they go, oh, well, you know, surely the more of the ball you get, the more of an impact you have. Mm. But not, not necessarily. I mean, look at someone like, someone like Bruce, for instance, eight disposals, three goals. I mean, that's a pretty big impact. And he's had half of the ball of, of most of the midfielders and, and probably had more of an impact. At the end of the day, different positions, I know, but yeah. I think he, I think Pinsky needs position. I don't think Bruce though either. Bruce. Commentators, Bruce. commentators yeah. thought he didn't have a great game. I'd say a few I didn't key get a full game. I thought it was you key forward game. and you kick three goals. Like, what's your job primarily? Mm. Kick when, goals. Yeah, but when you when you consider though where the ball was, the caliber of the opponents, the slow ball movement and stuff, he only he only had the two marks to be fair. But but in respect to him, the ball wasn't moving in the way that he would like to. There was a lot of shifting zones across the ground you know him having to, to work double yeah. back this way going across that side and dealing with a lot of rubbish delivery 
But Lipinski, I think, regardless, I know you mentioned that he needs more of a ball, and I don't deny that. I still think with what he does, when he gets the ball in hand, he's a very neat user, and he does a lot of good things. My issue with him is when the ball is not in his hands, and you get to see the defensive side of his game, which still leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, absolutely no. No, no disputing that when Lempinski has the ball, he uses it well. No, he's not. He's not. He's not somebody. He doesn't turn the ball over on a regular basis. He'll get the ball. He'll use the ball. But the when when I talk about him and, and compare with McRae, I mean McRae. If he gets twenty, if McRae gets twenty disposals. What sort of impact is he going to have on a game? No, no, it's, I, it's I, probably I, not going to be. A, it's it, it will have an impact, of course, because you know he too is a neat user of the ball. But it's not going to be a major impact. It's not going. He's not going to get three grand votes if he has twenty disposals. No, I wonder how many votes has Lipinski picked up a couple of votes before. I he he has. He's picked up at least two. Okay, picked up two um, in a game against Carlton a couple of years ago. On that, when I do talk defensive efforts, I do mean when the ball is, for the most part, within within that five meter parameter. But the positive thing is for him is that he did still have the fourth most pressure acts by a dog on the night. So he had 19. Bontempelli had what? How many did he have? Bont had 26. Oh, so then equal third, actually. So Bontempelli had 26 alongside Waitman. And then Liver had 28. So Lipinski, 19. Next up was Bailey Smith with 18. But the problem was, is that um, for, what was it? Only four of the top 12 were dogs. Yeah. Keep the well, that was... Way down. Yeah, Maybe probably even a bit more. I'm probably even selling it short. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. We had five of the top sixteen pressure act players. That's not good enough. Yeah, no. Just on Lipinski as well, and, and Bruce, because you mentioned them. Um, Thirteen point nine kilometers travelled. The joint second most mm-hmm. of anyone on the ground. Only Caleb Daniel at fourteen kilometers covered more ground. Mm-hmm. Nick, what else have we got? Just There's so, so I want to want to move on from from this because there's a, there's a question that that I want to ask you because I think our opinions on this differ. Yeah, go ahead. In terms of what you what we take away from that match. Now, the, I say our opinions differ because I think you've you've said to me that it means more to Melbourne, or this game meant more to Melbourne, that and means match. more to Melbourne than than it does to us. My counter argument to that is that this is a top-of-the-table clash, and it's and as I said earlier in the episode, it's, it's probably our biggest home-and-away match in 23 years. How can it not mean as much to any other side? This, this isn't just... This isn't any sort of... This isn't a top-four clash. This isn't a top-eight clash. This is, this is a top-of-the-table clash against two sides heading into the midway mark of the season have each only lost one game. Like this is, this is the winner of this game was going to walk away being the outright premiership favourites. How can it not mean? Or how can it mean more to Melbourne than it can mm. to us? This this should this should be a major sport. major deal for us. It should be, and it, it really should have been. They said they the boys looked like they didn't really rock up as much as they would have tried to. Um, I'm only going via in terms of long term things and bigger and big big picture stuff. Okay, I don't think we showed our true hand on the Friday night. You know, you're noticing there was a few centre bounces or stoppages around where you'd have Lipinski and then Smith, and then you'd have even Rourke sometimes featuring there. Sometimes it looked at times that um, we weren't too revealing with what we did. 
and even manners about trying to combat certain methods. You know, I'm sure like you know, even you mentioned it too, or or even I've mentioned it, or people mentioned it. Why were we switching the ball, you know, a hundred times? Yeah. Now the thing is, obviously the club would know stop switching the blasted thing. Yeah. The question the thing interesting thing is is that the thing is they didn't. So they're trying to then work out other ways to plan around things, okay? I'm still very confident, regardless that the round 20 game is a is a very different result, not just simply for the fact of there'll be, you know, more inclusions to the lineup. Okay. Hang on. I still think that the, there's more of the scope for us. What would you say round do, 20? Right? Is it round 20? What time is it? When's the game? When is our game against them? We play them again this year? I think we do. I thought we did. We'll have to look at that because that and not yeah, that would not occur to me. I'd not realised that. Have a look. I've got to double uh, yeah, check. No, you, you are right. Me. You are right. Round twenty. I'm looking. Oh, good, thank God. To... I thought I got that wrong entirely. No, that's right. I've just because I, I because just given all the uncertainty, I haven't looked ahead at the fixture because there's not much point. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. So yeah. I, that's at the G, of course. But yeah. for me, the idea is that look, it's not that we've done brilliant in recent years. You know, we've made back-to-back final series. The Ds have actually been pretty strong. If you look at their records, what is it now? Ten and one. And then yep. last year, from the midway point, they were seven and three, up to around seventeen. Okay, okay. So from around seven to around. Seven. So there's definitely a lot more form to their game. So what what is it then? What's the numbers there? Um, seventeen and four, or whatever it is. That's yep. very formidable. Okay, in, yeah. in that context, we're not too far off that. So what are we this year? We're now nine and we're two. We're nine and two. We were ten. And we finished from, the season ten yeah. and five. So there's nineteen and seven. And we is, and we were. But we were five and six at a point in time, so this is not including. Oh, I was saying after round round two last year. Yeah, after round two, season yeah. ten and ten. Oh, sorry, ten and six, including yeah. the final. Uh, including the final, um, ten and six. From and round then eleven ish, yeah. So nineteen and, and eight, and our so record and in twenty sixteen yeah. was nineteen and seven. Mm. So that gives is, you an idea. It's not always linear, isn't it? It's never no. always linear in respect to the seasons. <laughs> Things can cross over, which is really weird, but it's amazing at the same time together. But just no, on, I think that's there's still a lot more for us to give in just, what we show. We didn't show a lot of tricks, which I'm happy about. Well, I want to I want to run through the the names again as I as I do every as I do every other week um, because I'm not sure what uh, I'm not sure what Melbourne's injury list was like. I don't know how many players uh, they had. Out. There's a few, but predominantly um, in terms of their best players, yeah, they got to welcome back uh, Christian Salem. Yes. Uh, following the Crows game. They still have Jack Viney out. And of course, Adam Tomlinson, who had been having a very fine season to date. Um, he, of course, unfortunately ruptured his ACL um, recently within the past month or so. So there's two but, names because they got There's more, back. I'm sure, but I've just gone more? blank. On, I'm sure there's more, but not much more than that. Well, Martin, it's not because of the injuries why I'm thinking these things too. Martin, Dunkley, Trelaw, they're just three names straight away. Uh, Easternwood as well. Mm-hmm. Vandermeer, if we Van really Vandermeer, want to. Hannon. Who will be back this will be week, back. so yeah. the, the so, club says. So he and, and Martin will be back. We'll get more to the injuries just in a, in a moment. The the venue. The venue I want, to, I want to talk about. So obviously this game is played at Marble and Melbourne's plan was clearly to defend the corridor and that's why we were switching. And, mm. and I, I've often had complaints over the Bulldogs with, with a lack of a plan B. And it felt like that that came to light again that they didn't know what to do when um, when going through the corridor didn't work or when switching didn't uh, work. But that's I wonder, what I think. I don't believe they wanted to show that. That's yeah, my thing. I if wonder, they did, they, you would have seen something. I wonder with a wider corridor, how different it will be at the MCG. 
if we played that game again. What's the dimensions? Do we have? I don't know what the dimensions are. All right, let's, I, I'm going to have because a because remember we're not talking about the ground, we're talking about the corridor. So you need I to find that. the dimensions of the that. corridor, rather than because because the the wider ground will include the wing. But you would imagine that the corridor would be slightly wider as well as a result. Anyway, that's well, just me. For some reason, I don't know how this even works. What, what ground is Westpac? I don't even know there's a Westpac. I'm looking at this other website here and it's got Westpac. Um, Westpac, I, I don't know. Nick. So here we go. There's 12 meters difference in terms of width. It doesn't sound like a lot. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. But when you consider that, and this is where this is where sides get caught out though here, when they go down to, to Cadenia Park, that's 26 meters less in width. Well, you can tell. So 10 like meters in length in middle. Yeah. Like you can tell Cadenia Park, but it's interesting, you know, it's... Oh, extra, maybe maybe Westpac Stadium is is what uh, Geelong what is, uh, is. Maybe that's maybe that's the company that have that have most recently uh, bought the, the naming Westpac. rights off Cadinia. I don't even know. It was changed their name again. or whatever it is. They changed uh, the name once more. It used to be Shell Stadium, then Skilled Stadium. Uh, then it was. Uh, I don't even remember. There. there was another one there, but I've gone blank on that too. Yeah, no, it's, and it's and it's. It's always been Cadinia, but they kept they keep selling mm. the naming rights to it. Mm. Anyway, I didn't mind skilled. skilled. One thing, one thing here, because I found this also Simmons. quite interesting. Simmons. There, Simmons. Yes, yes, that Simmons, real estate Simmons. agents. Yeah, I found this interesting too. We had we go in the clearances exactly. You said 36, 36 to, to 27. twenty-seven. Yes. Let's have a let's have another sus with those numbers. So eleven to thirteen in centre, and twenty-five to fourteen around stoppages. Now we know that. Of course, we're a bit weak, relatively down back in terms of one-on-one -on -one and probably even around the ground. And that those one-on-one -on -one opportunities, which the Ds are able to create a lot of, you get to see those situations, sorry, those scenarios happen a lot more often come a centre bounce, don't you? Because everyone's separate. Now, in comparison to the stoppage, you're still allowed to set your players up a bit more closer and provide that type of support. You mentioned the corridor before, which I found interesting. You know, we were wondering why we weren't able to try to move the ball a bit easier. That was probably one of the brilliant, one of the brilliant defensive displays that I've seen from the Ds in the sense that they were able to separate a lot of our players. Now, you know that naturally, it's, it's, you know, as many we've got some skilled footballers, but you know, we, we're not a team that you would classify as a you know skilled kicking side, aren't we? Despite possessing some very good kicks at the same time. No, I would disagree with that. You would? Because I would. I'm no, we're still more we're more of a handball side, obviously. We are, but I wouldn't say that we're not a skill kicking side. No, no, we've got skills there, but you wouldn't classify that as our identity. That's not our forte. Well, that's another I think we, that's in another, terms, that's of, another in terms question. of moving the ball. Yeah, that's another question altogether. Uh, our identity mm. is to is to move through chains of hand passes and, and run the ball yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from one into the that, other. Though. Yeah, but you can't do that if there's a lot of separation between players and that's what they were able to do. They were able to separate a lot of those options because obviously the hand pass game works best between you know within a few meters of each other up to 10 meters and the fact that they are able to unless you got a you know a rocket hand pass you know 20 meters long it's not going to work yeah so for them to be able to nullify that strength as well as the nice the corridor that's of course by forcing us wide and having us in, hemming us into one zone that was brilliant but you were mentioning before about what was worth also more who's got more at stake i found it very interesting in terms of the way that the Ds played and as well as us. And obviously we know that that's not the way, that's not the style of football that we generally bring up each week, okay? And yeah, to be fair, it was not fun to watch. 
But that's also not the style of football that these tend to bring to. That's not their brand of footy. It looked like the way that they came to the game. They came in with a very reactive game plan to hold us down. In finals football, you can't be reactive to what the opposition's doing. You've got to back your strengths. So for me, I think of that as a compliment, the fact that they had to change or they had to alter their own game plan to stop us. That means that they're not as confident probably in their own game plan. If they played their plan A against our plan A, I'd back us in that regard. And that's what finals football is. You're backing right. your best attributes. We didn't change things in that sense. That's what I'm saying before. We didn't show our hand. They've shown their hand in the sense of how do we stop them? I will say we did they change a lot though because style, yeah. we did switch the ball a lot more than mm. what we normally do. Like it didn't yeah. it didn't feel like we were trying to do the same that's what I'm, thing that's than the exactly. first 10 games. It felt no, like not at all. Because because you say Melbourne came in with a, a plan to nullify our plan A. This didn't feel like our plan A though. Because no, our plan not. A has not been play. to switch it. And some of the switches no. in the first term were so unnecessary mm. and so reckless. And uncharacteristic too, weren't they? From That's some, the thing. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a pressure. It wasn't pressure, immediate pressure. Like people will talk about oh, yeah, you know, Melbourne, identical losses to Richmond in the days. Yeah. It's not. No. Richmond was genuine pressure on the ball and, carrier. And, this one know, was more of a, a systematical bit of pressure down the line that intimidated us and made us second guess ourselves where we want to kick the ball. It wasn't on the ball carrier. It was just the options and the releases down the line that were cut off. So that forces us to be a bit more risky. I'll take the Richmond pressure from what I've seen from these two sides. The Richmond game worries me a lot more than what the D's served up to us. That's not a discredit to them because they were very good. But in that sense, I would still back us to be able to work around those things because having certain players come back into the lineup as well allows you to get around those um, those defensive mechanisms, you know, a la Trelaw, you know, where you can burst through the coral, a Dunkley who's able to be more tougher and protect Liver, who got, you know, tagged out of the match relatively yeah. from harms, which was a great defensive job. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of others too, you know, Martin probably again can, can yeah, go a bit longer with, with Gorn. can go a bit longer with Gorn potentially. Yeah. So there's a lot more other things to go there with it. But no, I wasn't furious on the night and I wasn't furious at the end of the Richmond game either. But we could probably learn a lot more from the D's game than the Tigers one. Who, who are you more, at this current stage of the season, obviously Richmond's got a lot more to do, but who are you yeah. worried more about from those two? I'm still not worried about Melbourne. Um, after that game and, you know, people say oh, their, their pressure was this and, and they, they did that. And yeah. no, no, nothing, nothing surprised me about what Melbourne did. Um, their intercept game was, was, I mean, we've spoken about it for years, a number of intercept marks opposition teams take against us and people in the, the media and they, they still seem so surprised when a team takes 20 intercept marks against us. And I have no idea why, because this has been, this has been going on for three or four years now. This has been going on since we won the, this was going on, including when we won the premiership year. So, because, because Grundy charged us up that day and then the week before the prelim final was Haynes. This has been going on for ages. So I don't know where that surprise comes from. Hmm. We'll say Richmond are proven performers That's when another it matters. Thing too. That's um, another thing too. So, Mel whereas Melbourne, we know that when the heat's on, and by heat, I mean you know, the last couple of games of the season when finals are up for grabs, there is a tendency for them to fall away and to not finish the job. Now, that's not to say that they will fall away and they, they won't make finals no. this year. They, they set, they're, they're playing finals. Um, I think the numbers were, in terms of, teams with the amount of wins that they have like for us and the D's. Um, I've got to remember where I saw this from. 
but I think it's an 86% chance uh, that those sides tend to you know, solidify themselves in the top four. From here? And, and 100% chance of making finals. So according to okay. these numbers, that's it. From 1995, yeah, I think. No, I think it's from 1995, 95. actually. Okay. So obviously the major stats... You know the player stats and stuff from '99 onwards, but in terms of overall, um, I think they said yeah, 86% of the time teams in this situation from that year onwards have made the top four from from where we sit, and 100% of those sides have platforms. So according okay. to that statistic, it's going to take a ridiculous choke and a half for us to to blow to blow a top four spot. So the question is. Uh, the challenge is laid before you dogs. Were you willing to take that on or hopefully not, please? <laughs> please don't. Um, yeah, please don't. Actually, um, we better we better move on because we've got so much more that we've got to talk about, none least the COVID situation, developing situation with, with COVID. So we put out our episode last week and we'd recorded it just before all the really juicy, interesting stuff happened or in terms of a football mm. perspective. Not saying that this is good, juicy, interesting, but there's certainly a lot to take away from it. We had Bulldogs players and staff having to isolate because uh, a member of staff has visited a, uh, a site at the High, High Point Shopping Centre. Uh, then we heard on Thursday that a Melbourne player had visited a Tier 1 exposure site um, and that all of the players and staff needed to test and, and isolate and that the player who had visited the site himself needed to quarantine for 14 days regardless of results. Now, what struck me as interesting about that, actually, I just want to make a point here, was that that it was all sort of, oh, it's okay because this player hasn't had any interaction with other with teammates or coaching staff for a few days, for a number of days. How does that happen in this day and age? The this this is this is I'm 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 really curious about this because we we hear that it's oh it's twenty four seven these days. You know, players will have to log when they've eaten a grape and then players have to, you know, calculate how many calories they've eaten and, and, you know, how many miles they've run, how many steps they've taken, whether they lifted weights, how many hours they've been asleep for. They are constantly focused on living lives as footballers. You reckon there would be, and and then obviously on top of that as well, there's training sessions, there's recovery sessions, there's opposition analysis meetings. There's other team meetings, there's tactic meetings. Strength and conditioning, strength all around it too. There's, there's a whole so bunch of things. much going don't, don't on. Forget, don't forget too the the um, the marketing duties that the boys have to provide now for CoinSpot, our new sponsor. So we've got how, all those other things too as well. How can there be a period of days where a player is not having any sort of physical interaction with a teammate or coaching staff? That makes no sense. It is amazing, isn't it? It was a bit like the it was a bit like the uh, the when when Dugowie broke his hand against the door because he was playing with his dog. I thought it was the dog bit him first. I don't remember how many times that story's been replayed over the years. Like. That that sounded odd at the time, and it, it took us a day to figure out that that was that was a lot of rubbish involved there. This I, I won't, I'm not going to say that they're lying because we we ultimately we have to take their word. For I love this. Matt is calling a football club out here. No, Shots I'm not, not, not calling them Shots out fired. because we've got to take them at their <laughs> word because this is serious. Um, and I'm, and you know, if 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 it does so happen that we find out that you know they're not being totally honest, and this is, this is some oh, serious no. stuff, but that struck me, and I wanted to, I want to make a point of that. That struck me as really odd, really odd, that in this day and age, with 
all the maintenance work that goes on and all the preparation and planning that you can have a player spend a number of days away from teammates and coaching staff. The it's only been, thing on three to four days of training or three days of training plus it was game a, when there's recovery day. That's great. Yeah, you're right. They just spend a lot of time at the clubs, don't they? Yeah, and for them to spend, to be a few days away from it all just seemed really odd. The only thing I could think of, um, the only thing I could think of was I that find their injury list. Uh, was that this player was uh, um, oh, so here we go. So this was it was reported by Sam Edmund, and we put it up on the on the Twitter page for the Southern Bulldog. He said the Melbourne player that has attended the T1 exposure site has not been working closely with fellow players and members of staff over the past few days. That was on Thursday, the 27th of May. The only thing I can think of is this player was part of a of a rehab group. So yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of it is one yeah. of them. I just don't know. So they've got Aaron Vanderberg, who oh, we don't, is we don't, now listed naming, available. Naming names no, no, though is no, but there's a few. There's a whole necessary. bunch of things. No, but there's you were talking even more about um what was it player availability in terms of who's not on there, well who could have come okay, back yeah, into yeah, their yeah. lineup also just stating. I know you may not agree with you too, but yeah, it's it's pretty much only just Viney and uh, Tomlinson. And Tomlinson's ruled out for the whole yeah. year, so. Um, still, even they would yeah, be with that's would interact with rehab staff, though, wouldn't they? No, yep. they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. Well, technically seven if um, Vanderberg is now available for selection. That is, but uh, so technically seven if you really want to press for that matter. It's a really strange story, though. I don't that, know how that even yeah, that to be. that set the alarm bells ringing. Red flags, red flags. Yeah, no, that's yeah. an alarm bells. But as I say, we'll, we'll take them at their word. They say the players are associated with teammates and staff. We believe them. Just it's it's a bit like crazy. No, they, they all want to do that. They'll all want to do the right things. Right? Yeah, of course. They know, of course. That, they know that a mistake yeah. happened. Not just that, but they know that a mistake here. Oh God, that's oh, there's this major. So they they have no. Yeah. There's no desire to you know to be shooting blanks here. It's so a bit like wood, it's, it's a proper. it's a it's a bit like crazy being. You know, injured or managed, and the named as the medical side. No, no conspiracy going on. Just, just a bit odd. We love conspiracy theories here at the Salty Bulldog. We oh, really we, do. We, we do, but um, we're not going to uh, class these as conspiracy mm. theories. But as as what this means for the Bulldogs with the COVID situation, obviously there's an ongoing lockdown in uh, Victoria at the moment. At the moment, we're recording this on the Monday. It's scheduled to be lifted midnight Thursday. Every possibility could extend beyond that, though, at this stage. So what the Bulldogs did on Sunday was they flew up to, so they're doing a bit of a bit of a trip here. So they flew up to Sydney on the Sunday. They will stay there for the week. They will fly to Perth on Saturday ahead of their clash with Fremantle at Optus Stadium on Sunday, June 6th. Now, at the moment, there's a whole lot of conversations about shuffling the fixture about venues, teams, days, all that sort of stuff. Mm. There hasn't been anything relating to the particular match against Fremantle yet. That one looks like that's still going ahead mm. as planned. There's mm. been no changes yeah. there. Yeah. Not there, but the interesting part is the week after because there's we have a bye, don't we? Then we've got the Eagles the week after. No, two weeks after that. So there's probably a genuine chance to bring the Eagles game forward. Yeah, so there's Fremantle this week, then the bye, then a match against Geelong Geelong. at uh, Alphabet Stadium or whatever they call whatever they've whatever they've called it in the last hour or so, Uh, and then we go back to Perth to play West Coast. Mm. So yeah, certainly possibilities beyond this week for some shuffling to be arranged, but for the time being. We're, nothing's nothing's changed for the Bulldogs in terms of venues days. It's it's all as scheduled for the moment. Yesterday, tw- a squad of twenty seven players flew to Sydney and will in turn fly to Fremantle. 
That includes the 23 that played on Friday, Sans Raleigh Garcia, who unfortunately sustained a head knock in his first game. What a shame for the for the young fella. Uh, he will he will have to miss the game against Fremantle anyway. Uh, and so probably the VFL too. And and certainly the VFL too. So there's a 22 because um, obviously you've got you include your medical sub Lewis Butler. So 22. Uh, plus Stefan Martin, Ronnie West, Ryan Gardner, Anthony Scott, and Mitch Hannon are all who all didn't play against Melbourne, but a part of that squad of 27. And obviously there's some notable names that are left out of that particular group, including Mitch Wallace and Jamari Hagen, both not making the flights. Mm-hmm. Hagen, how many games is that now that he has not played in a row? I think he's only Since missed concussion. Well, games in a row. I think he's only missed one VFL match. Mm. And then, of course, last week, the entire VFL comp was put down to a standstill due to COVID. Yeah. So there was no this game week, last week. You have to play Touchwood. Well, he should be available to play. Um, mm. It's just whether he or whether Footscray will be allowed to play. Mm. That's the thing. I, I don't know yet from what I've even heard, too. At the moment, there's still question marks on that. What I can say is, is that there is the belief that... Uh, Local football should be potentially on the cards, genuinely on the cards. There's a lot of optimism for that. But uh, state-wise, I can't say. Get him to play for Thornton Eildon. Potentially, yes. Why not? <laughs> get Why you, not? Get you, Hagen, up to Thornton Eildon. I hear they're in need of a goal kicker. <laughs> they're in need of a lot more than that, I think, too. Oh, God. Uh, we haven't checked on how they're going, to be fair. Yeah, but, no, it's been a while. No, nah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if we mentioned it last week, though, but... If anything, we will now, at least I will. Um, Toby McLean, did we touch on him at all? Yeah, we did mention week? Toby McLean we last did. week. Yeah, oh, well, so he again, was first, yep, so first game yep. back this week, Touchwood. Assuming. Uh, yeah, so he yeah. was supposed to play in the VFL last week, so we can take him off the injury list. Uh, I think I think there'll be a great shame that he wasn't able to play. I reckon he'd be really looking forward to it, but hopefully it's not too far away wait for him. Yeah. I think two two games might be two games in the VFL. With, that's probably what, an extra six training sessions on top of that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think it'd be. I think it'd be about right after that. Personally, yeah. maximum three games. I've suggested in the VFL because and, we're going to need to bring back some troops. But maybe if maybe not having any contact with players or staff for a few days. Oh, don't please, don't you dare! Uh, uh, let's jump on Mitch, some other Mitch, some good Mitch, news. Mitch Wallace. Um, oh, we'll not good news. About, no, we'll, well no, well, no, this is not good news. Um, Mitch Wallace, not. I mean. It, it depends what you want to say about, you know, sort of players and playing group and, and whether the 27 players going up, are, are, you know, would be the 27 best available players. Um, I would be under the impression that if Mitch Wallace can't get into a group of 27, especially given the uh, injury list that we already have. Yeah, technically, it's is, in a best of 30, the leftover 35. Yeah. Um, this is not good. This is not a good, this is not a good sign and not an indication that, He's in the long-term plans or even the short-term plans, really. Um, and there's been a bit of commentary as well over mid-season trade periods or the possibility of mid-season trade periods and, and whether, you know, if the which opportunity still, was there. Just all rubbish on in all seriousness. I'm not a fan of. fan of the idea. No, I don't like that. You've got the entire October, you know, trade period to work it out. And you've got, you know, the better part of the pre-season to figure out which players are worthy. If, if that player at the mid-season trade period was that good you wanted him on your list? You would have tried to get him six months earlier. And how's it going to work too? We're going to give him half a draft pick for six games or 10, ga- 10 games. How's that going to even work? 
Well, he's given up a draft pick. Well, that's that sounds more like dozen, that sounds games. that sounds more like a loan system that you're that you're leaning for, where you know the player would play the season out at the club, but or or so say let's say we loaned Mitch Wallace out to any sort of side that needs or anything. Let's say North Melbourne want Mitch Wallace for the last half of the season. Goodness knows why, but let's say they did. So we would give Mitch Wallace to North. He would play at the remaining of the remainder of the season there, and then he would come back to us at the end of the season. And I suppose the other question, does Wallace return to the Bulldogs at the end of the home and away season or at the end of the season? Because if he returned, if he returns at the end of North Melbourne season, would he then be eligible to play finals for the Bulldogs? That's what I mean. It makes no sense. That does I don't agree at all with this. Even the idea, as sacrilegious as it sort of sounds, even the idea of the mid-season draft too, I love the idea of opportunity for players. I just don't like the idea of that it hinders clubs, camps, at campaigns as it is. They work so hard to get into such positions. This is state sides, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They work so hard to get into the positions that they are to press for stuff. And obviously, they want to provide as much opportunity for, for these guys too. And they understand that, you know, but they're yeah. not the end game. But yeah, I, I get it. They've I, got their, I, they've I just got find their plans it so as well. I know the, yeah, I know the Sandful and the, the waffle when I spoke with the the GMs a couple years ago there they were very much against the idea of it but the thing is their competitions are, are quite strong and very firm in their ways too in comparison to what the the VFL is at the moment so yeah just got to deal with it in that regard um but yeah that's another matter but yes. on Mitch Wallace I think he yeah playing wise is definitely a bit of trouble but I know that the club does rate him a lot in terms of his not just the leadership side of things there's genuine coaching aspirations for him there's there's a role there for him if, if something was to happen do you think he'll be there next year yes yes i do he's out of what, contract department? yes unrestricted so he can walk but no i'm sort of pretty confident in that and even uh, i make baines even alluded to it too that they, that they're looking to get him to, to retain him still well of, I just of course think that they it's would gonna, yeah Anna, yeah but i think it's going to come more with a with an off field coaching role as well, he's not that old though he's not that old no no I'm not talking about uh, a guy that's that's in his last two or last year or two of his career it's 20, not at all, so i'm wondering well he'd be 20 he's as old as libba and what libba's 27 28 like wallace could libba's be old, libba's older than that man libba's 29 oh, Wallace is 28 i'd say well they, they were taken in the same draft year so however old Give, however old libba is you'd say wallace is in about 12 months of that I will tell you, bang on, if I can find their names. Wallace is going to turn 20... Jesus Christ. He's going to turn 29 on uh, the 24th of October. So he's 28. So in theory, he's got he's still got another four or five seasons, you know. Theoretically, If he gets a good run at it, he's got another four or five seasons still. Like we're not talking about a guy mm. that's just about wrapping up. He's not 32. No, not at all. Not at he, all. But I'm just wondering whether the club can so pinch another year or two out of him there and then throw the other stuff at the whether side point. It just depends how patient to, he wants to be. Yeah, whether it's too early to transition mm. him into a, mm. into a coaching role. Yeah, but we know he is very, very, very loyal to the club. Exceptional. Oh, absolutely. Loyal to. Cannot question that. Speaking and of... no one should. Speaking of loyalty and contracts, the Bonds for a new four-year deal. Tying mm. him to the club until I, 2020. I'm still so salty I didn't put this up on the Monday with you. I can't believe I didn't. As yeah, an no, he, he did. We've got the great text, groundbreaking news. We've got the text messages. Um, but yeah, we've got know. the proof in the pudding there. I just wish I said it. I told Brad <laughs> the morning after too. And then like four hours later, bang, disappointed. Really missed opportunity there. Well, but, that, that's no, 
I mean, there was never any worry there. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's, I think it's just a good thing to have it official and have it locked mm. in. And four years is a decent mm. deal as well. I mean, it's not mm. the monstrous seven that I think fans want, you know, for security. Yeah. But Bond yeah. spoke about uh, keeping himself mm. on his toes and he thinks mm. a, a four-year deal mm. is able to do that while providing mm. him, you know, some certainty about his mm. future. Which And, is, it's, yeah, and it's, it's also cool still gives the club, it also still gives the club a position to, to monitor its finances at the age of 30 as well. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to be hemmed into a deal where you're not because it's the bond for instance but you know where you're paying blokes million plus after the age of 30 yeah so it speaks volumes of for one how savvy sam power is and credit to the bond for understanding the situation at hand so it's interesting we've gone the clubs wanted five bonds management like and i stress the word bonds management wanted six it's interesting that Bont was able to settle on four, mm. or Dogs and Bont have settled on four. So it's very different there. I wonder where, why the term six was thrown out there. Because you would have thought it might have been then four to six, and then you both agree on five. Yeah. And the number's gone the other way around, you know? Yeah. It's very strange. Uh, Sam Power is capable of some, some magic, I'll tell you that. Yeah, uh, indeed, he is the wizard. In addition, and uh, in addition to contract news about Bontepelli, Liberatore had deal with him as expected as early as this week, according to, mm. to John yeah. Ralph, as reported two, on two Friday years. night. Two years. Yeah. And one that we trigger. most likely a trigger. And one that we were worried about, and Bulldog fans are going to be absolutely delighted with this news, according to John Ralph as well, that Josh Dunkley is certain. The word was certain to stay at the Western Bulldogs for season 2022 and beyond. Which is a thing of beauty. Yeah, it's and good news, isn't it? We can just say once again, oh, Sam Powell, you really knew how to show it to Dodo, didn't you? Right there. <laughs> that, Amazing stuff. That's that's some trade period. And and Ralph cited that it was sort of professionalism professionalism issues that Dunkley had with mm. the Bulldogs last mm. year. Uh, but mm. what we've we've seen that it's gone up a gear. And I think the and the case in point that uh that Ralph alluded to and that we've mentioned a few times is Josh Bruce. So Bruce lost about six or seven kilos during the offseason. Uh, he's, he's gone now greater than uh, well past 100 days. Than at least, yeah, 150 plus now. Yeah, be about so, 150 plus days without yeah, uh, having any alcohol. And I think that that well that that would just be one that mm. would just be one part of it, wouldn't mm. it? But it's very interesting too because this is we're going to mention this name. I never thought we'd actually say this on the podcast. Um, the man Damien Barrett last year was actually in our corner um, regarding the the hub, saying that we were again one of the more uh, professional sides. In that environment, so it's very strange to see that with Dunkley and stuff. I don't know because it's I it's think, different. I think Dunkley had players. Hmm? No, I think Dunkley had expectations, right, rightly or I wrongly, think that's because the main word. I because agree. of of what he'd seen in previous seasons, and it was it was I don't know, but it was possible that the the our standards fell below those expectations um, last year. But I would, but. If, if if what Barrett says is true and we were one of the more professional sides and everyone's standards would have dipped a bit at least. And I think it's only understandable given how hectic and how unique last year was. Mm. But yeah, I've, you get I've, the players seeing them twice, yeah. sorry, three to four times a week and then you get to see these guys seven days a week for six or seven months on end. Yeah. it's There's no version of respite. You know, they're always in your face. And it's like what you were alluding to before. You know, you can't escape the players. Surely you're going to be able to round them. You, know, you can't go two or well, three yeah, days without seeing it. I've done it before. <laughs> it was so much more concentrated last year. There was mm. no, I mean, there was, I know a lot of them got, uh, a lot of players got flack, you know, for 
Yeah, you know, with people criticizing them for, oh, but you're getting paid, you know, however many hundred thousand dollars a year to play football yeah. and do all Fancy this. Fancy having a six month holiday on the Gold Coast. Yeah, those types of you, things you still need, I and mean, it wasn't really, it was a holiday. It wasn't a holiday because it would have been, it would have been as hectic as, as it is during the season. It just would have been far more concentrated and you wouldn't have had the the freedom and and the the release to or, or the, the freedom and, and the ability to just sort of just escape. That's the word I want just to escape it all for a little bit. Like wherever you looked, there was football to focus on or recovery or meetings or planning. Or, and if it wasn't all of that, it was following restrictions and getting COVID tests. Last year was such a different year for everybody, and I think it. I think it's it's fantastic that um, for Bulldog supporters, it's fantastic that Dunkley has been able to see a, a change to the way that the the team has operated, and that it's convinced him enough to stay. And of course, uh, you know Adam Trelaw as well. We can't forget to thank Adam Trelaw in all of this. There's no doubt he's had at least now, some uh, monicum of influence. What do you mean? Yeah, you have to thank Ned Guy. Man, that's, that's the main thing. That's the main. No, no, and that guy. I still think he was. Um, oh God, that situation that he was thrown under was errors from beforehand, before his tenure at the club. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. So thank you very much, Collingwood, for that. You've helped us keep Dunkley and get through even better. I think that is a pretty good spot and to wrap it up. Into Dodoro. Yeah, yep. that's a great spot. I think that's a great. Uh, I think that's a great way to, to wrap it up. Nick, I want to thank you for for your time. Uh, as, as as I do every other week, it's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, it's always fun, man. It's always wonderful. For all of our listeners that want to tune into any previous episodes that we've recorded throughout the year, uh, there are ways of listening to those. You can check for the Salty Blog podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. We've also got our social media outlets, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, where you are able to check up on all the latest Bulldog news, information, and Salty Bulldog episodes as well. And there's also our website where we release articles during the week. You can read those at www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. Nick, thank you. To our listeners, wherever you've been listening around the world, thank you. And until next week, take care.